wonderful to be together in God's presence with one another. I was just thinking this week, you know, one of the greatest provisions, just thinking about provision. Do you know one of the greatest provisions that God has given us is people. Sometimes it's easy to take one another for granted. It's easy to take people for granted. But let's not... Let's try not to do that. One of the greatest provisions in life that can bring you great blessing, that can be a great aid to your life and a great investment into it is the people around you. That's why, and I know we all know this, it's, it's so important to take at least some time in every week to gather together as God's people. It really is. Where we can encourage one another. Not just where we can sing our worship and praise to God, which we do, which is very important, but also to hear God's word, but also to be together with one another, to look into each other's eyes, to smile, to be a part of a family. And whether that's in a corporate gathering like this, that we prioritize, as the Bible tells us to do, or whether it's in our homes, you know, we meet as connect groups in our homes and that's been a wonderful blessing. I know to our family over the years, to my children, to Faye and I, as we prioritize to, to really be enriched by this wonderful provision of one another to each other, I tell you, the end result is great blessing, great fruitfulness in life. So always be aware of that. One of the greatest provisions in life that God has given us in Christ, it's often overlooked, it's people. It's people. Let's get the best out of one another. Let's be a blessing and be a blessing to one another as we fellowship in God's house together. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm sure you'll agree, over the last three weeks, we have been richly blessed by God's word. First two weeks, Faye came with, I tell you, an incredible word about the power of God working in us. And uh, biblically, she, the first week, she just outlined that uh, so richly before us from, from a biblical perspective and then practically how that power works on a daily basis in our lives. Wonderful testimonies. And then last week, we had Stephen Matthew. What a blessing Stephen was. I mean, we've been richly blessed. As I have just sat and listened and received God's word for my own heart, I've just been stirred up, excited, and, and so blessed. And over this time, I've been asking the Holy Spirit just what to bring you. And I had a number of things that were, that were stirring and have been stirring in my heart for a long time, sometimes, some of them, years. And... Um, I was, I was thinking about this one thing and that one thing, but I could get no peace on any of the things that I was thinking about that were in my heart to bring to you today. So, as I always do, began to panic a bit. And, um, but in all of that, I asked the Holy Spirit, and, you know, he always waits for those moments. He lets me go so far down my own little trail, down my own little road, pursuing my own little thing. I'd like to do this, and I'd like to study that. 
And then he waits for me to get to a moment where I'm panicking a little bit, not settled, or in a place of peace to bring what I've prepared. I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, please help. Help me. I need to know what you want me to encourage your people with. And immediately, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to speak to my people about overcoming life giants. Literally, like an audible voice inside of me. It just flashed across my spirit. I heard it from his, from his mouth. Speak to my people about overcoming life giants. So for the next three Sundays, that's what we're going to do. That's the series of messages that we are going to look at that we're calling Overcoming Life's Giants. And I'm sure at some point in all of our lives in this room, we've faced issues and challenges that seemed far bigger than us. Giant-like circumstances that may have towered over us. Because life for all of us has its fair few giants, doesn't it? Life has its giants that we have to each in turn contend with. Life faces us all with many different situations and circumstances. And some of those situations sometimes seem bigger than our abilities to deal with. It could be a series of unexpected events that suddenly come out of nowhere, that start impacting our lives and those who are close to us. One minute, life is peaceful. We're contented and at a place of rest and calm. And then from nowhere, we're having to battle through day by day. Some of us here today may be facing giant-like circumstances that are looming over us, towering above us. If that's the case, the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen you, encourage you today with His Word and with the testimony from His Word. He's going to empower you to overcome that life giant that might be facing you. You're not going to overcome circumstances and situations that are bigger than you in your own strength. But through the power of Christ Jesus inside you and the power of his Holy Spirit energizing that promise of God with you, you're going to overcome. For any single one of us today that might feel overcome by life, the word of God is this to you. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. You're going to stand up in the power of his strength. You're going to stand up in the power of new life of Christ within you to overcome what seemingly wants to overcome you. Why? Because the king of kings, Jesus, lives inside you. And when we are weak, he is strong. When, when it feels like that we are falling and failing in life. That is when his power is perfected within us. 
And his grace and his favor enables us to do what we couldn't do in our own strength. Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. It tells us on other occasions that you and I, we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. The Word of God never pictures us as those who are being overcome. The Word of God pictures you and I as overcomers, strengthened with supernatural strength to stand up in the face of any, adver- any adversity or in the face of any, adv- any adversary. I got the two mixed up there. In the face of any adversary, stand up and overcome. Receive his strength and his power to do what we think cannot be done. We're going to look this morning at an incredible moment in the Old Testament where it looked as if God's people, Israel, were about to be overcome. We're going to look at a time where it seemed as if defeat was imminent. Israel, God's people, stood on the battlefield for 40 days facing a giant called Goliath. When we read 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see Israel's army overcome, fearful, in the face of this great life giant, Goliath. One of the first things that we see, that we find recorded, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, is a detailed description of Israel's opponent, Goliath. It's important for us to see that, to note that. It's a detailed description of this great life giant that opposed God's people, Israel. We see a description of his stature. And his impenetrable strength of armor. It's all laid out so precisely before us and in detail. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 through to verse 7 puts it like this. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. From Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. It's about nine and a half feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs. And a bronze javelin between his shoulders. 
Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Now that's a detailed description, wouldn't you agree? A really detailed, exact description of both Goliath's physical stature and how he was clad with the finest and the most strongest armor available. And all of these details that we've read of, Israel's army were fixated upon day after day. The picture of Goliath's stature and strength was the one thing that was magnified in their minds. And it revolved in their minds and in their imaginations around and around and around and on and on it went day after day in all of its colorful detail over and over again. They just revolved around in their minds and their imaginations, this descript picture of this life giant that was standing before them. Israel had studied and studied hard every detail about the enormity of the Goliath before them. And all of these very real, real facts... These were real facts in front of them. Were looming large over them. Bigger than them to contend with. The facts, the facts, the facts, and more facts. Just fed and fueled their fears. And it crippled them. It crippled their faith before God and caused them to slump under what was standing in front of them. It caused them to be apathetic and passive and inactive and unable to do anything with what was presented in front of them. Now, when I thought about this, I thought about times in my life where I've just been like them. I think there's been times if we went around the room that we've all fallen into this. Times when we've come face to face with situations that are bigger than us, that are beyond us. And all of the fearful facts that we've collected about the circumstances that we're in or the giant-like situations that face us, we allow to go to work in our minds and in our imagination. And suddenly and slowly we find that it has a crippling effect on our life and our expectation and our hope and our faith before God. We go about very often collecting all of these fearful facts about what might happen 
because of what we're facing. And all of that information, though it might be accurate, it breeds and fuels a fear that leaves us hopeless and helpless before the life giant that faces us. God's people in 1 Samuel chapter 17 had a giant of a problem. And this giant caused panic for 40 days. Day and night, he would come out. Day and night, he would stand before them. And day and night, they would have to look at their worst fears physically before them, facing them, defying them. 40 days, they gathered their information very accurately, very factually. But this fact-finding information just simply confirmed that they could not defeat the giant that was in front of them. We also find in this chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 17 that not only did Goliath have a strong, towering stature, he also had a very aggressive voice. And you know when you're facing a giant, because immediately its voice communicates fear. That's one of the attributes of these giant-like situations that come our way. Not only is it visibly intimidating, it speaks fear right into your heart. And we read of that in this chapter. Goliath had an aggressive voice, a loud, brash, violent voice, communicating fear, intimidating them, putting them into a corner that they couldn't get out of, robbing their peace and their joy for living. Listen to what verses 10 and 11 tell us about the words that Goliath spoke and the effect on King Saul and all of Israel when they heard Goliath speak. Verse 10, And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So not only was this man strong in stature and visibly intimidating before the armies of Israel, there was a voice that was aggressive, words that were used, that were intimidating and striking fear right into the core and heart of God's people. This war was being fought with words. Words were breaking down Israel's confidence. Words were evoking fear 
and defeat. Words struck at the heart of men and suggestions broke their resolve, broke their spirit and rendered them powerless and weak as they came under those taunting words of this man. Years ago, I remember getting attacked by a spirit of fear. And that spirit had a voice. That spirit spoke words. And for three days solid, I was intimidated. I was overcome. I was in fear, on my back heels, in the corner, unable to move. For three days solid, I battled with that spirit of fear and a barrage of words and suggestions from the pit of hell. You see, the spirit of fear wants to speak. He has a voice. And he wants you to listen to his words. He uses words as his weapons to bring you down, to enslave you, and to captivate you. Spirit of fear wants a daily conversation with you, a moment-by-moment interaction through the words that he speaks. But the moment that we entertain any word from that spirit of fear, That's when we become captive. Whenever we entertain words outside of God's word for our lives, that's when fear builds its stronghold and we become its slave. That's what happened to me. I became a captive. I became a slave to fear, even though I was a child of God, even though I was saved and I'm saved. And thank God for his goodness in my life. The moment that I listened to that spirit of fear, I became a slave. I became its captive. And it had a hold on my life. And the more that I tried to counter that voice and that spirit of fear in my own strength, the stronger its hold became in my life. Life, the worse it got. I was helpless, powerless to beat it. And then the moment came. I was in the car park in Asda, Cumbran. In the car park, a pitiful state, driving the car. Some of you are laughing because you know what it's like. <laughs> Please help me, Lord. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I laugh about it now, but it was serious, man. Oh, man, it was like a real situation going off here. Three days. 
Feels like your head's a pressure cooker. Please, please help me, Lord. The Holy Spirit is the helper. When you ask for the helper to come and help, well, that's what he does. He loves it. He loves it. And again, an audible voice, an inner audible voice. Not hearing here. I'm telling you now, his voice is audible inside. An inner audible voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, you're only fearful because you're ignorant. 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 I said, yes, I agree. I'm ignorant. That's why I'm fearful. Then I said this. Please remove my ignorance. The Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and show me. He said, the moment truth comes, ignorance is removed, freedom's yours. The moment truth comes, ignorance is removed, freedom comes. I said, please, please give me truth. See, I've been listening to lies for three days. Well, I tell you now, you listen to lies for three days in your head, it'll wear you down. It really will. Please, remove my ignorance. Give me truth so that freedom might come. I'm telling you as clear as I, I'm, I'm talking to you. The Holy Spirit said this to me. And it was the furthest thing from what I could think or what I could get to. He said this. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He said, you need edification. As soon as he said that, I just started shouting out in tongues in the car park. And then when I went shopping around Asda, I'm going up and down the aisle. I'm telling you now, it didn't take long for victory to come. Victory suddenly See, ignorance left, truth came, freedom was mine. Hallelujah. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. Hallelujah. It is a spirit. I started praying in tongues and I was free. That spirit of fear had to leave. And in the power of the Holy Ghost, he was dealt with. You know, I believe it was John. John said this, there is an anointing that abides within you whereby you have no need that any man teach you anything because the anointing will teach you concerning all things. That anointing of the Holy Spirit that abided and abides within me taught me that day how to deal with that spirit of fear. And it wasn't with a conversation, a human conversation saying, please, spirit of fear, stop bothering me. Please, spirit of fear, I've had enough now. You've been lying to me for three days. Give me a break. No, he won't, he won't take any notice of that. But what he will take notice of is, rubbish in Jesus' name, I tell you to go. 
That's what he will take notice of. You take him by the scruff of the neck, you open the door to your heart or your head, and you kick him out down the street in the power of Holy Ghost. Not in your own strength. That power, that strength is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That spirit of fear left me. Now let's go back to this predicament that Israel were in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You see, God had made promises to his people in the past about their future. God had spoken his word, many words, over their life as to what he wanted them to achieve and all of the blessing and the abundance that he wanted them to live in. Between what God had spoken and where God wanted to take them stood Goliath defiantly between what God had said and where God wanted them to go. And whilst his words and his threats went unchallenged, they could not go forward because this giant was determined to take them out. This giant was determined to destroy them. And the Israelite camp were in a stalemate. The Israelite camp were full of confusion and chaos. And then when the situation couldn't get any worse, up turns a little lad with a lunch for his big brothers. A shepherd boy walks into the camp. He's like your modern-day delivery driver. <laughs> or just eat courier. He's brought food for his brothers. And David comes into the camp that's full of fear, that's full of chaos and confusion. And in he comes walking. A symbol of weakness. A symbol of a young man with no strength, no ability, no experience. I mean, experience is everything, right? And this young lad had just come from tending his father's sheep. And he'd left them under the care of somebody else. All to do this errand, this unimportant errand for his father. He just wants to get the pack lunch to his brothers. Well, we all know the end of the story. David kills Goliath, the kid that looks like nothing. The kid that you wouldn't give a second glance to. The kid that you would never put to the forefront. The kid that's always at the back of the queue steps up to the front of the queue and brings great victory for all of God's people and the nation of Israel and slays Goliath. We know the end of the story. 
But for this particular story to have relevance for us today, I want us to ask a question, a very important question. And the question is this, how did David overcome and defeat the giant Goliath? That's the question. Now, you may have a number of answers immediately rising up in your heart. How did David kill and defeat the giant Goliath? The obvious answer to many of us would be that, well, David defeated and killed Goliath with a stone from his slingshot. And on the surface, factually, that would be the correct answer. But maybe, just maybe, that's not the only answer. Maybe that's not the only answer. Maybe there's another answer that doesn't seem so obvious to us as to how David slew Goliath on this great day. Because when we get a little bit deeper into this story, there are other aspects that brought Goliath down and defeated him before any stone left the slingshot of David. When we want to understand the Bible, one of the rules of interpreting Scripture correctly is for us to look for repetition. That's what commenters and Bible teachers tell us. If you want to understand the Bible, if you want to interpret it correctly, look for repetition. When there's a repetition of words or phrases in God's Word, it's not there by accident. It's not there as a result of a misprint. It's there to emphasize a very important point. Words and phrases that are repeated in the Scriptures are done so to emphasize something extremely important in order for us, the reader, to see the truth, a new truth in God. When you see something repeated in the same context, about the same event, in the same story, close attention needs to be paid to what's being repeated for understanding to come. Well, there's something repeated twice in this story by David that would be easy for us to miss if we don't pay attention and examine the Scriptures correctly. But when we see it, understanding comes as to why David stood so courageous against this giant on this day and how he overcame him with a stone and a sling. The repetition is found in verses 26 and verse 36. And it's a descriptive term that David used to describe Goliath the giant. It's a phrase that's not spoken by anyone else in Israel's army other than this shepherd boy. All of the physical description about Goliath 
had been recorded with exactness. All of the weight and the strength of Goliath's armor had been accurately noted down by the men of Israel. But only David repeated a key word that accurately described Goliath before him and before God. Let me read verse 26 and then verse 36, and you will see the repetitive phrase with which David described Goliath. 1 Samuel 17 verse 36 says this, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And here it is. For who is this uncircumcised? That's the phrase. That's the word that we need to take notice of here, that nobody else was using other than this shepherd boy, David. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Then verse 36, again, it's in here in his conversation with Saul, I believe. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. The one repetitive phrase that we read of in both verse 26 and verse 36 alike that David used to describe Goliath the giant was in this word and phrase uncircumcised. So while all of Israel were looking up, David was looking down. They were looking up. David was looking down. This man is uncut. He's uncut. We are all cut. We all have a covenant with God. Every male child in Israel on the eighth day after they had been born were cut with the covenant of circumcision. And that meant from the moment that they had that sign and that mark on their body, they had a lifelong covenant and agreement with God. Yet on this day, all of Israel were ignoring the facts. They were looking up, David was looking down, and he noted that this giant was uncut. And that meant that he did not have a covenant with the living God. Because of that, because of that, the nature of the battle changed. It went from a 40-day stalemate of fear to a moment of great faith and triumph. One of the important things for us to take from this message today is that when we're faced with any kind of giant in our lives, it's always important to understand the spiritual perspective first 
before we get overwhelmed by the visible physical facts. It's always important to look beyond the visible physical into the invisible spiritual. Collect the spiritual facts. Have a spiritual perspective before you're overwhelmed with the visible physical facts that are before you. Because if all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to be seen. If all you look at is the visible physical and not the invisible spiritual, then it's highly likely that you're going to miss crucial keys to give you victory over what seeks to overwhelm you, overcome you, and defeat you. David looked beyond the visible physical stature of Goliath. He didn't pay any attention to it. He wasn't intimidated by the visible physical stature of this giant that everyone feared. Because he realized that Goliath had no authority from God to do what he was doing. Because David had a covenant with God. David believed God's word to him. And David walked in confidence and in faith and in trust that the battle was the Lord's. He was going to step out and move forward and go confidently towards this giant and God was going to do the rest. Paul the Apostle tells us to look beyond the visible physical in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 when he says, while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. We are those, those who are called to look beyond the visible physical. And it's not that we bury our head in the sand and ignore the visible physical realities that face us. They're very real. But We have access to look beyond them into the invisible spiritual and draw our confidence, draw our faith, draw our trust in God and in his word to perform it. What what does Hebrews tell us? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things hoped for. Not seen. Not seen. When we look beyond the visible physical into the invisible spiritual, we have an evidence within ourselves of things that are not seen. The moment, child of God, you make a choice and a decision to pray. I'm telling you now, the moment that you lift your voice to God, you make a decision to turn your back on the visible physical realities that loom over your life and you 
enter the invisible spiritual and you stand accepted in the beloved, in Christ Jesus, in his presence, and you are affecting change from an invisible realm into the physical, visible realm of your life and of the lives of others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you now, I remember, and, and I'll, I'll say it, right, I tell you, I remember when we were praying one morning, a group of us, well, we used to pray for years, Norma, Helen, Lynn, there was a group, of, there was only about six of us, because we, we used to turn up at six, six o'clock in the morning, the Lord's army, I'm in the Lord's army, we turn up, I'm in the, I'll be like that, oh my God. Oh, good morning, morning. And we'd all come in. Lynn's there, bright as a button. Helen's there. Yee-hoo! Norma, she's marching around, and I'm, you know, I'm one of the pastors, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. And they're, like, all revving up, ready to go. And I'd, I'd usually, in the prayer meeting, lay prostrate on my face. And within minutes, I'd be snoring. And they'd be marching around. I'd be... And Helen is, oh, there he is, look, sleeping in the Lord again. That's it, pastor, you need a good rest. Hallelujah. I'd be there, and my mother would be there as well, marching, I mean, shouting her head off, praise God. And I'd be there, snoring, that's it, he needs, he needs a green pasture, he's a pastor, he needs a good rest. I'd be there snoring, and they'd be there doing warfare. Well, I remember one morning my mum came in, heavy-hearted, teary-eyed. Her neighbour had come round, and um, her husband said, my wife's dying of cancer. She's just got weeks to live. Weeks. And, uh, you know, it, it, it took my mum and dad. My dad was alive then. It took my mum and dad by surprise. Because they had such a great relationship with them. And they, the, the neighbors weren't born again. But I tell you now, they know where to come when they need help. Hallelujah. They'll seek you out when they need help. Because there's light in you, you see. And uh, what, was the, what was the lady's name, ma'am? What was the lady's name? You can't remember, can you? She was a wonderful neighbor. <laughs> I can't remember now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So anyway, right, we were, we were just like, right, time for action. Somebody's rung the alarm bell. Time to pray. Time to get up and do some business. This works. Not messing around in here. The Lord's army. Oh, praise God. Come on then, let's do it. I mean, we just went to war. We were shouting. We were jumping. <laughs> we, were, we were trying to pull everything. Pull on everything. Weeks to live. Do you know what? That lady lived for another 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. Right? You see, we stepped beyond the visible physical into the invisible spiritual and began to affect change from his presence with his power, right? Not through our strength, right? I was falling asleep on the floor half the time. It's not from my faithfulness or anybody else's faithfulness, but praise God when you raise your voice up, like Michael said this morning, like he sung this morning, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers. His ears are open to your prayers. You have great 
you have a great audience, audience in heaven that's waiting for you to speak. Hallelujah, waiting for your heart to be expressed. Well, that's what we did. She lived another, she lived another 11 years. The doctors told her she um, would never go on holidays. She went on numerous holidays. Hallelujah. And God was glorified. Now, I know, there's, I, I know there's many, many other testimonies right across this room. Right across this room of, of you standing in the face of life giants, trusting God, not in your own strength, and seeing them fall just like David. I'm going to finish in a moment. That usually means in about an hour and a half. All right? John always winds me up at dinner. He said, you said... You said that you were closing, and you took another 30 minutes. I said, I know, John. He lets it. I am closing in a minute, right? <laughs> in a minute. We're going to fast forward in a moment to when David stood in front of Goliath. And when he stood in front of him, he had a young man full of the covenant of God. He's got a very different mindset, very different attitude. He's been alone with God. Nobody's standing with him, but everybody's watching him. And it's an opportunity set up, set up and designed by God for him. Before David, it's an interesting fact, and we were talking about this yesterday, John and Daniel, we were talking about it. It's an interesting fact, but David chose five stones from the brook. Why did he choose five stones? Why? I mean, was it because the first one might miss? He'd still have another four that he could clobber him with. Maybe if I, he picked up one and then his reason kicked in. He thought, I'll pick up another four just in case. I mean, just in case this faith thing doesn't work. Just in case God's promises are a bit, you know, just in case God isn't there in the moment and I need another four to take him out. Or just in case I got a bad aim and the anointing doesn't take the stone and plant it where I need it. Just in case I'll take another four. Well, that could be a reason, but I highly doubt it. Now, David knew. The stone was just a means to bring the giant down, but the battle was the Lord's. So why did he choose five? Why did he choose five? Well, it wasn't because he needed another four just in case he missed. Goliath had four brothers. It tells us that in Samuel later on in the book. Goliath had four brothers. So once David had taken the first one out, if the family wanted to step forward 
and have a crack, he'd take the four of them out. That's faith. That's faith. We'll take, we'll take you all out if you, need, if, you, if you need us to. See the confidence that God wants you to have? See the life, the abundance that Jesus wants you to live in? He doesn't want our, our, our minds to just, and our eyes just to be focused on the, the visible physical. What does Paul say in, in Colossians 3? I think it's verse 16. He's so excited about the invisible spiritual. He says, let your mind, let your affections be set on things above. There's so many things above you. Don't get bogged down by the things of this earth. There's so many things above you in the unseen realm, in the invisible spiritual that God has for you. Let your mind be fixed on those things and let the word of Christ, the covenant, Dwell within you richly. And when you do, there's not a visible physical issue that you will ever face that you cannot deal with. It'll cause you to sing at midnight in a prison when the flesh of your back is ripped off. And for God to respond. The moment comes where David steps on the field in front of Goliath. And we hear his faith in God speak from his heart. 1 Samuel 17, from verse 45 through to verse 51. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. That usually means we're still going to be 20 minutes. Okay? No, we're not. We're not. From verse 45 to verse 51, then David said to the Philistine, David speaking now, we've heard your voice for 40 days. Now you're going to hear my voice. Now you're going to hear my faith. Now for the first time, you're going to hear a young man that has a covenant with God that has five little stones in his pocket, one to take you out and four to take your brothers out if they dare come on this field after I've finished with you. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's the Lord of battle, the Lord of battle, the Lord, the warrior of heaven's armies. I come to you in his name, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, and this day I will give you give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. The living God. He's our God. Hallelujah. He's never failed his people. He's not going to fail them. And we're grafted in. We're children of Abraham. He's not going to fail us either. Hallelujah. The God of Israel. I'm going to feed your carcasses to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know 
that the Lord does not save with sword or spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then verse 49, then David took, then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that that stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Victory over life's giants. Dealing with the visible, physical realities of life from an unseen, invisible, spiritual place recognized in his covenant with God. Goliath was slow. Amen. What life giant today defies you? What life giant today tries to erode your peace? What life giant today dare defy you as a child of God? What life giant seeks to erode your joy for living? Seeks to, to, to break your confidence before God? What is it? Child of God, you may be weak. Child of God, you may have lost your confidence. Child of God... You, you may feel vulnerable and cornered like I did when I, was, when I was crying out to God for that three-day period because that voice of fear was intimidating me and breaking my confidence apart. Child of God, in your weakness, that's when you're strong. The Lord, who is mighty in battle, is going to come to save you. He's going to come to your aid. And as you, as you face that life giant with the Word of God, the Word of God, as a covenant child of God, victory will be yours. If it's sickness in our bodies, I tell you, the giants come, man. The giants come. They try to bring sickness on our bodies. The Lord knows. The giants come. They, 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 they try to bring unrest and, and conflict in our, our relationships. The giants come with all kinds of besetting sin and besetting temptations that want to drag us away from the will of God and the blessing of God for our lives. The giants of addiction, the giants of, 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 of many different things in life come to hinder and crush and, and, and suppress the great life that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Stand up, child of God. Stand up. And no, yeah, you can stand up. I was going to say stand up on the inside. <laughs> but you can stand up physically. That's fine. Stand up. Stand up. And let's say this. Let's say this together. And then we're just going to sing before we go. Okay? Let's pray this together this morning. Okay? And it may be that you're facing a giant. If you're not, pray it. 
for, for your brother or sister who is in this place this morning, who, or who may not be here, who's been taken out at this moment in time, who's battling and facing fears and facing all kinds of things. Pray it for them. Pray it for your brother and sister that might not be here today, that need our help, that need our prayer, that need our support. Pray it for them. Let's pray it together and say this. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the helper of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost, that you are going to empower me to stand up and face this life giant that is opposing me. Thank you. This is not my battle. This is the Lord's battle. The Lord of heaven's armies will come to my aid and I will see this giant fall and you will be glorified, God. Laughter will fill my mouth. Joy will fill my heart. Songs of praise I'll sing aloud. In your presence is fullness of joy. And together, you and me, oh Lord, will know victory over life's giants. And all God's people said, now come on, let's give him a shout of praise in this place. Let's give him a shout of praise. The giant will fall. The giant will be overcome. The giant will crumble and fall before our Lord. We thank you today for your word, Lord. I thank you for the attentiveness, the openness, and the faith of your people. And Lord, our confidence is in you. And we thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.